Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's so great that you are joining us online or in person this weekend at Life Church or one of our many Life Church campuses. I am delighted to have you here today this weekend. We are continuing our series on reset. Remember the word reset means to set again, to do differently. So what I've been challenging you over the last two weeks, and now again today, We'll conclude the series next weekend. I hope you'll be back. I'll be speaking next weekend. Hope you'll be back with us uh, as we conclude this. But I've been challenging you to think about what do you need to keep doing? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to start doing? Keep doing, start doing, stop doing. Over the last 100 days or so, we kind of had this point in our nation and in our world where everything kind of came to an end and kind of came to a stop. And we got this ability to reset, to begin to, to process through, to think through, to make changes. And what an incredible opportunity. I, I know it's not been comfortable. I know there's been some really negative things that have happened. But, but the silver lining in all of this is that we have an opportunity to do some things again. So the first week I talked to you about the power of review to inspect, to think, to process through, to look back at things that you're doing that you need to continue to do in your life and things you need that you're doing that you need to stop doing. They're just, they may not be um, sin, but they're just not great decisions. They don't lead you where you want to go. Uh, and then things that you need to, to start doing. Hey, you need to pick this back up. Maybe it's a, a bad habit that you've picked up in the last three or four months or whatever to, to, to do differently, to review that. Last week, I talked to you about the value of change in a message on repentance. Repentance means to turn from and to change. To, in the Bible, it's to turn from your sin and to change. And so based on your review, what are the things you need to repent of and you need to change? Today, I want to talk to you about the value of recommitment. Recommitment. To commit again. Meaning at one point in time you were committed to doing this, but now something's happened, life's happened, you've got out of the habit of whatever it may be, and you need to commit again. Now I know I may be talking a little bit, preaching to the choir on this, but, but even I think church, if we're not careful in this season of this coronavirus with social distancing and masks and gloves and watching big crowds and all of that, and again, please understand, there's no judgment here. You stay home and be safe, stay in shelter as long as you feel like you need to do that. Totally fine, no judgment whatsoever. I don't think that because you come to an in-person gathering, you're more spiritual or you're less spiritual. I don't think because you stay at home and stay in shelter, you're more spiritual or less spiritual. Not any of that at all. But what I do think is we need to be committed to the house of God, whether we're staying in shelter and we're watching online and we're connected to this faith community that, that God's called us to or whether we're meeting together in per person. Doesn't matter, in person, at home, but we need to be committed. And as a pastor, honestly, that's one of the things as I'm talking to pastor friends across the country, I'm concerned about is that if we're not careful, we lose out on the commitment to God's house. And the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of Hebrews that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Doesn't say virtual or in person, but that we're coming together. The power that Matthew talks about where two or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, there he is. There's power in us coming together. And so one of the things even today you may hear me talk a little bit about is 
committing to, to recommit even to ourselves to the house of God, to the principle and to the practice of coming together, whether it's virtual in this season or it's in person, doesn't matter, but that we're coming together, recommitting ourselves. There may be other things as you've reviewed and you've repented, you go, I need to recommit myself to a greater relationship with the Lord. I need to recommit myself to a greater walk with Jesus. I need to recommit myself to my marriage. I need to recommit myself to, 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 to the pursuit of the dream that God's put in my heart. I need to recommit myself to some daily habits. Whatever it may be as we're processing through this sermon today, I pray that you will, a Holy Spirit will kind of just kind of click that light on and you will recommit yourself to that. Now, book of Amos, before I get there, I got a great little analogy for commitment. You may not like it. I'm sure my daughters will think it's, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but I have a kid growing up in Arkansas. And so it's a farm story about a, a pig and a chicken that were on this local farm of this little farmer. And, and they were both sitting around one day and the pig was talking about how great the farmer was. And the chicken was talking about how great that the farmer provided for them. And the pig said, yeah, he gives us all this great food. And the, and the chicken was saying, yeah, I've got this great little house in which to lay these eggs and in the farmer great. And they both out of appreciation for the farmer decided that they wanted to show appreciation. They wanted to do something for the farmer. And so they began to brainstorm and to think about it. And the chicken said, hey, I got an idea. Let's make him breakfast. And the pig said, that'd be great. And, and what, what shall we serve him? And the chicken says, let's do ham and eggs. And the pig said, that's great. And then he stopped and said, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. For you, a ham and egg breakfast for the farmer would be a contribution. You're just simply giving some of your eggs. But for me, it's total commitment. This reminds me a lot of how when we come to God, especially how we like to contribute, but we really don't want to be fully committed. And God's word's very clear about us. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ as children of God, that we're not just contributors, but we are committed. Book of Exodus, God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. Commandment number one, I'm the Lord your God and I'll have no other gods before me. God says of himself, he's a jealous God, which means this, he's going to be number one in your life or nothing at all. He's not going to be second or third or fourth. It's one or nothing at all. It's a total commitment. And maybe even today you, you contribute to God. You kind of show up when it's comfortable. You kind of give of your time, your talent, your treasure when it's comfortable, but you're not totally committed. I, I just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart in these next few moments. Am I just contributing like the chicken or am I willing to give total commitment like Mr. Pig did? Amos, book of Amos, chapter six. Now let me give you a little background about Amos. Amos was a prophet. Uh, so he gave the word of God to the nation of Israel. This is how God spoke to his people were through these prophets. His job was to warn Israel so that they would turn back to God, which was typically a lot of what prophecy was in the Old Testament. You've fallen away from God, you need to recommit, you need to turn, you need to repent and recommit yourself to God. Now, something that's interesting in scripture, and I think this is true in life, God always sends warning before he sends judgment. There's always warning before judgment. So if you're in sin today, or you're doing things that aren't right today, or you, you just know this isn't healthy, there are warning signs before the judgment comes. There's warnings before, hey man, uh, you you kind of got to pay, pay the price for, for, your, for your bad behavior. Israel, at this point in time that Amos is writing these words, uh, these words of God to the nation of Israel, they're in a state of apathy and affluence. 
So they're kind of like, man, they don't really need anything. Life is great and God's made them a powerful nation and it's a time of peace, but they've also kind of grown apathetic. They've lost their commitment to God. And so Amos, with the urging of the Lord, urges them to reconsider their actions and to recommit themselves to God. And so I want to pick up in Amos chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And it says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. So this is, he's talking to Israel. Zion is God's place, God's people. It's it's the nation of Israel. Verse two, go to Calneh and look at it. Go from there to the great Hamath, then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? So he's doing this comparison contrast of Israel to these neighboring nations. You put off the day of of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. You lie in your beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and you use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile and your feasting and lounging will end. Now, we can just kind of read this and kind of think, well, what's the big deal? And I, but I want to unpack this because what Amos is doing is he's calling God's people from apathy and all the blessings that God's given to a lifestyle of recommitment. Nothing wrong with having things, but it's something wrong when things have you. Nothing wrong with being blessed and having affluence, but what are you doing with that affluence? And the problem with the human condition is, is we typically kind of get further and further and further and further away if we're not careful uh, as we become more blessed. Because then, you know, again, it's like if I don't have any money and I have not the ability to go anywhere, but I'm at church every weekend because where else can I go? But all of a sudden God begins to bless me. And now I I got a boat to be able to go to the lake on, or I got a little cottage somewhere I can go to, or I got a little condo down in Florida. And all of a sudden, and nothing wrong, but if we're not careful, we know in our own hearts we start moving further and further and further and further and further away from the Lord. Or, you know what, man, I, I, you know, my, my, my kids have got this sport and that sport and this thing and that thing. Or, or, or I have, you know, I'm empty nest, so I can go here and here and here. And then all of a sudden, man, I'm really committed Monday through Friday to my job, but I'm not really committed to the house of God. Again, I'm not trying to cast judgment. I'm not trying to judge anyone. I'm not saying you shouldn't go anywhere. You shouldn't do anything. You shouldn't take a weekend off. Lord knows I do. But I am saying there's got to be a baseline of commitment. And that's what Amos is calling the nation of Israel to. God has blessed you. So you have the ability to go. You have the ability to do. You have the ability to have. There's nothing that you need. Look at all the other nations around you. Yet you're not committed to the God who blessed you. So let's unpack this just for a minute. Because he gives four areas of recommitment that he addresses Israel on. And I think it's really true of us today as we look at this reset to think differently, to, to, to set again, as we think about what we need to start doing and stop doing and what we need to continue to do. The first area of recommitment is discipline with God. Discipline with God. These are our daily habits. Look at verse one. He says, woe to you who are complacent in Zion. Zion is the house of God. It's the place of God. It's a city of God. Those of you who are complacent in God, that's what he's saying. 
complacent. You're, you're lazy. You're just kind of lax. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you don't care. It's not that you don't, it's not that you've completely lost your moral compass. You know right from wrong. You just don't really adhere to. You really just don't live with. You really don't live up to. So I'd just stop and say, how is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? I mean, a couple of metrics or barometers you can look at is prayer. When was the last time you had a meaningful time of prayer? You know that. You know when you've had a meaningful conversation with the Lord. There may be some personal markers. There may be, maybe you're moved to tears. Maybe it's an amount of time. Maybe it's just, it's that peace of the Holy Spirit that just is so resonant in your heart and your life. Maybe it's, you clear everything else out and you just, when was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with Jesus? God's word, the Bible, that's another basic. What was the last scripture that you memorized? What was the last passage of scripture that you thought, this is so powerful, I'm gonna commit it to memory? Again, we do what we wanna do. What we value, we do. Another basic, like, maybe it's like fasting. When was the last time that you so consulted God in a decision in your life that you did something like fast? Got away from everything else, maybe it was solitude and you pushed everything else aside and you just, you just kinda had a personal retreat. See, this is what he's speaking of. Israel was complacent. It wasn't that they didn't care. It was just they became lax in their commitment. How is your commitment to the Lord? How is your commitment to basics? Just your relationship with Jesus. Let me move on. The second area of recommitment is dependence on God. Dependence on God. This is not about you. This is about him. Look at the end of verse 1 of Amos chapter 6. You who feel secure on Mount Samaria... You notable men of the foremost nation. Since the days of Solomon up to this point, Israel had never been more powerful. The military was the strongest. There was peace, was their strength. The capital city was Samaria. Mount Samaria was located high on a hill, had steep sides that protected impenetrable walls. I mean, it was just an incredible fortress of a city, of a capital city for the nation of Israel at this point in time. Their dependence was to be upon the Lord. What they were doing is they were putting their dependence upon this city in which they lived in. It was the production of what God had done in their life, not the person of who God was. And if we're not careful, God blesses us in our life and he puts us in these beautiful places that are almost impenetrable and, and it's powerful and, and we're, we're living in an unprecedented blessing but what we began to do is we put our dependence upon the product of God's blessing, not the person of God who is blessing us. Woo, that'll preach. Are you placing your dependence upon the person of who Jesus is or is it what he's done in your life? Is it the person of Jesus or is it the amount of money you have in the bank and, and the job security that you have and the business that God's blessed you with? Because remember, God is the one, if we really believe the Bible, that promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but from heaven above. This is a question about who your source is, especially in the last 100 days. You know, we've all kind of dealt with fear or frustration in the last 100 days with this COVID-19, this coronavirus. But we gotta ask ourselves a question. Who, who is my strength? Who's my dependence upon? Is it upon the government? 
Is it upon uh, whether that's national or state or local? Is it upon a healthcare system? Is it in my insurance company? Is it in the money that I have? Is it in me? (laughs) I mean, think about this. In a quick second, it was like our whole world changed. Everything in our world changed. I've lived almost 50 years on this planet and I've never lived in a time that was this like, whoa, what just happened? Like, this this is epic, this is historic. And it makes you begin to wonder, where is your dependence? Is it upon the Lord or is it upon you? Is it upon God or is it upon government? Is it upon, the, is it upon Jesus? Is that where your firm foundation is? Or is it upon things that you've built together to kind of insulate and isolate yourself? Or are, are, you, are you putting your dependence upon the blessings that God's given you in your life? Or are you putting it upon the person of who Jesus is? If you really wanna know what I think, I'm gonna kind of go out here on a little thin ice. As a pastor, I, I think that God allows these times in our life that we've been through in the last 100 days It's kind of a gut check. It's kind of a stress test. It's kind of a moment where we go, who am I really going to trust? Am I putting my trust in the blessings of God in my life or in the person of God in my life? Third area of recommitment, devotion to God. Devotion to God. This is about love and passion for God. Look at Amos chapter 4. He says, you lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You dine uh, or drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. He's talking about all of these things that we have in our life. All of these blessings that we have in our life. And we're putting all of our energy into all of these things. Our time, our talent, our treasure. Our devotion isn't really to the person of who Jesus is. It's really more towards the blessings he's given us in our life. This is a question that you ask yourself that I think is deeply personal. How do I show my devotion to God? How do I show my devotion to God? It's not really for anybody else to judge, me included. But again, in this passage, they have all of these options. They have all of these things. They have all of these blessings. So out of that, what do they do to show God that they honor him? What do they do to show God that they're thankful to him? What did they do to show God that he's their source? How did they show their love and their passion for God? It's the same question today with us. We have a great life. I mean, if I dropped you in most countries anywhere in the world, the life that you have as Americans, the freedom that we have as Americans, it's, we're a flawed people, but guess what? That's just humanity. But I still say it's the best thing afloat. And so we have so much more than most other nations around us. So what do we choose to honor God and to show our devotion to God? My time? For some of you, that's the most important thing you could could do. Are you doing that? Do you carve out time? Do you disciplinely, I don't even know if that's a word, but are you disciplined in giving of your time to say, God, you, you, here, I'm bringing this to you. Our talent? 
Again, a church like Life Church, four campuses, four locations, just the vastness and diversity of the people that we have. Talent is not a problem here. How do we show that? Are we developing and giving our talent as unto the Lord? Are we serving him with our talent? He's the one that gave it to us. My treasure, the things that God's blessed me with, my, 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 my money, my resources, my, am, I, am I honoring God with that? See, these are all ways that we can show our devotion to God. And you know what's probably the most precious for you. Are you giving that to him? Again, I go right back to the very beginning. God doesn't want a contribution. This is not about an offering. This is not about giving more money. This is not about resources. It's about commitment. And it's why I do what I do. It's not just what I'm doing. It's the why behind it. It's, I could be doing a lot of things in my life. But why am I pastoring this church and why am I here and why have I spent almost two decades of my life in, in this city? I'll tell you why. It's because this is what the Lord's asked of me. And it's not that I'm perfect. It's not that I got all the answers. It's not that I'm not fault, flawed or, or failed. No, no, it, it's simply this is what he's so part of my devotion to the Lord is to say, God, I give you my life. And, and so I want to do what you want me to do. I want to say what you want me to say. And you may go, that's great for you, pastor, and you're calling the ministry, and that's a grace that God's blessed you with. Can I remind you, we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that according to God's word, we're all called. When we give our lives to Christ, we lay everything down. So whether you work in a law office or you work in a factory floor or you're, you're a, a medical doctor or you're a nurse or you're a stay-at-home mom or dad or you're a pastor, a missionary, a youth pastor, it doesn't matter where your vocation is. We're all called. So we all live palms up. My passion, my love, my devotion. Do I mess up sometimes? Absolutely. Do I fall short? Absolutely. Are there times that I feel, but my devotion, my heart, oh God, is to do what you want me to do the way you want me to do it. Amos is saying, look, God has blessed you with all of these things, yet you pour your time and your energy into your entertainment, into your food, into your drink, into your homes, into your lives, but yet God's not a part of that. Where and how do you show your devotion to God? Fourth area of recommitment is dreams of God. This is the calling God has on your life. Dreams of God. Look at this. This is easy to skip over, but it's really powerful. The end of verse 6, Amos 6 Six says this, but you, speaking of Israel, God's people, do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. What is the ruin of Joseph? You got to go back and realize that part of how they were blessed was because God gave a dream to Joseph and, and that dream cost Joseph dearly. Separation from his father, from his brothers. He was, he was imprisoned. He was a slave. He was freed only to go back and to be wrongly convicted and go back into prison. Uh, and, 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 then, and then to be ushered into the very presence of the most powerful ruler of the, of the for, most formidable nation on the planet at that time, Egypt and Pharaoh himself. And standing before Pharaoh, the number one ruler of the world at that time, the number one superpower of the world at that time, the nation of, of Egypt was the most vast empire ruling the world. Joseph stands 
And because of the gift that God gave him, was able to interpret the dreams that Pharaoh had. And Joseph rose to the second empowering command only to that of Pharaoh. Only God can do that. Again, maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're trying to figure some things out. Can I just help you? Promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but it comes from heaven above. So what happens is Joseph's dream actually not just blesses him through a very weird way as far as like he just had to go through a very troublesome time to get there. But we know history shows us that it actually saves the nation of Israel because of the drought that was coming when his brothers will come looking for grain in Egypt. And so Joseph brings the entire family and everybody's there. And as long as Joseph lives, they live for generations in Egypt blessed. Why? Because of the dream that God gave Joseph, the call that was on Joseph's life. What about the dream of God on your life? Does it lay in ruin? See, God doesn't call us just because. Golly gee whiz, Wally, he loves you. He doesn't call you just because he has nothing else to do. He doesn't call you because there's no one else available. He calls you. He puts a dream in your heart. He does that in you because he has chosen you. So what do you do with that calling? What do you do with that dream? What do you do with that? And again, it may be to go into the entertainment industry. It may be to go into government. It may be to go into full-time vocational ministry. It may be to go into law. It may be to go into, into a whole just myriad of opportunities. But what are you doing with the dream that God's called you? God wants to bless you. He wants to raise you up. He wants to use you. He wants to seat you in high places so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? We talk about that, the Lord's prayer, pray in this manner that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. He works through people. Always has. Old Testament, always has. New Testament, always has. Jesus didn't have a program or a degree. He didn't start some university or, or, or start some, some, he basically invested it in the lives of 11 men and said, now go and change the world. It's what he's doing for you, for me. What are you doing with that call? Well, you know, man, life's tough and it's just really been discouraging. And I, I get that, trust me, especially in this season. I've never wanted to just like <laughs> do something different because it's just frustrating sometimes. It's just, it's just, it's difficult sometimes. It's, trust me, I mean, I, I, I preach for weeks on end in an empty room looking at a red light on a camera and no one else is in the room. And I, I, I have, there's times where you feel completely alone and you feel completely, and you just like, this is crazy and this is, but God called. And when God called me as a kid, when God called me as a teenager, when I accepted that call and went into seminary and I began to follow that call, God knew that there would be this expanse in my life. He knew there would be this day in my life. He he knew that my future would, would, would be in Wisconsin. He knew all of these things. It doesn't catch him off guard. The, the question is, am I going to follow that calling? Am I going to live the dream that God has in my life? Oh, but Aaron, man, I, I've crashed and burned. I made mistakes. I get that. And I understand there's consequences for mistakes. And you may be like Jacob, who was actually Joseph's dad, who was, because of his own kind of conniving ways, walked with a limp for the rest of his days, but he still 
was able to fulfill the call of God upon his life. Because he was perfect? No, but because of the grace of God. Because when God calls you, he knows of your weakness. He knows. I got to land the plane today. Recommitment. What area do you need to recommit in? Is it your disciplines? Reading God's word, taking time in prayer, fasting, spiritual disciplines in your life? Is it dependency where it's not about you, it's about him? Well, you don't look to yourself as your source, but you look to him. Is it about devotion? How you express and live out your devotion and your love for God? It's not just enough that we say it, we have to live it. The book of James says it's not just enough that we give lip service, we have to live this out. And the dream, the calling, don't let, listen, don't let this coronavirus scare you. Don't let this keep you. God knew when he called you, when he planned you, when he purposed, he knew all of this stuff. Those of you that are young families, don't let this world scare you to go, oh, you've got these kids and you're frightful for the future. No, 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 no. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we know that even this world is but a passing vapor. God has all this under control. So I know a message like today hits everybody differently, but it's meant to be a bit of a wake-up call. It's meant to be a little bit of a, hey, in the middle of all this, let's, yeah, let's review, and let's, let's take some inventory. Yeah, let's repent, let's turn, and let's change. But let's also recommit ourselves. Let's don't be like the chicken. Let's don't just contribute to God. That's way too easy. He paid much too high a cry, price. Jesus didn't give some, he gave all. That's what God expects out of you and out of me. So today, what I want you to do is I want you to now get those elements of the, of the cup. And I want you to get the elements of the bread. And I want you to get those. And what I want to do today is I want to end our time together with communion. Jesus at the Last Supper, about to be the greatest, about to give his life as the greatest display of commitment. What a better end to this message than this. He, he brings the disciples together that last supper and he begins to explain what the cup symbolized, his blood which would be shed for the remission of sins. The book of Isaiah in the Old Testament says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And the bread which would symbolize his body which would be broken for us. And he said, as oft as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, Jesus says, my death until we all come together and drink and eat of this anew in heaven. So today, today, that's exactly what we're going to do. Today, we're just gonna take a moment. And first I wanna pray, and then we're gonna take the bread, and then we're gonna take the cup, and then we're going to, then, then we're gonna be done with the sermon. But I just feel in my own heart, in my own spirit right now, we just need to take a moment. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Maybe you need to recommit some things to God. Maybe right now where you need to, you may even need to repent and say, God, forgive me. I turn and I change. Maybe you need to re-up yourself with the disciplines or dependency or devotion or the dream that God's put in your heart. Let's just take a moment to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words that Amos the prophet spoke many, many, many years ago are true today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, convict us. 
and where we've fallen short of, of being dependent upon you, of, of daily disciplines in your word and in prayer and spiritual disciplines in our life, upon devotion, and even upon falling short of the dream and the calling that you've given in our life, I just pray you would forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us for allowing fear to come in and creep in or frustration to come in. And I pray as we begin to celebrate your death, the greatest commitment of all time, your death for our life. As you begin to do that, Lord, let us do with a clear conscience. Paul tells us that before we are to take of, the, of these emblems, of, of these elements of the cup and the bread, that we should do so worthily, which means we should inspect our own hearts. And so that's what we do right now in this moment. Cleanse our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts. You're the only one. We confess our sins, we confess our shortcomings, and we surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen.